Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast, episode number 25. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me, as always, is the unfatable Mitchell Davis. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Uh, just ready to hear some more music, man. Talk oh, yeah. about more music, uh, learn about some more music. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a learning experience this week. Uh, a couple of artists that I I had never, ever heard of before, obviously. You know, we, we kind of see that every week, and this week is no exception. Yeah, man, a bunch of new artists for me, too. Um, we're going to start off with Booker T and the MGs. And then uh, move on to, and I, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, uh, Brazilian artist Lo Borges. Borges? Yeah. Borges? I think, I think that's that's good. Yeah. We'll say Lo Borges. I don't know. <laughs> Bor- Borges. Yeah. Borges. Bor- yeah. Maybe Lo Borges. I don't know. Um, then we're going to move on to Boston. So that's a, a group that I've definitely heard. Yeah. Um, then the... Uh, Celtic group, uh, the Bothy Band, and uh, finally end with Haitian group Bukman Experience. Um, I think it's like I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, that, that's that, that's pretty close. Apparently, that you know the, the Bukman is is like inspired by like a like a voodoo priest that was sort of like a a guy that freed was like a slave revolutionary as far as yeah. freeing. Haitian slaves and that experience, I think, is like a like a Creole kind of lean on on experiences. I think they said they took that from uh, their their influence from Jimi Hendrix, if I if I read that correctly. Yeah, uh, that's what I read too. Yeah. yeah, they got they got some interesting stuff going on. Yeah, so basically, sure. it's like the Bukman experience. <laughs> yeah, is what yeah. they're saying. Yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely get to that. A lot of interesting um, layers to that group. Oh yeah, and uh, but we're gonna start with Booker T and the MGs, their album "Melting Pot" from 1971. And uh, I had heard of Booker T and the MGs. I've never heard Booker T and the MGs. Uh, had you heard them before? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if if you listen to any kind of music, uh, as far as soul music, especially from Stax Records, I mean, you you've heard them. Maybe you didn't even know it. But um, like, for instance, um, uh, there's a Sam and Dave song called Soul Man. You know, I'm a soul man. You know, that's basically Booker T and the MGs playing on that song. I mean, you hear um, Sam Moore yell out, play it, Steve. You know, that's Steve Cropper playing the guitar solo on that song. I mean, they they were like the house band for Stax Records, basically. All the, the artists that came through, you know, Otis Redding, uh, Rufus Thomas, a variety of people that were on that label they they set up and played for almost every yeah. every single which which in itself says a lot about them that they were they had to be that versatile to sort of mesh with you know a variety of styles and personalities and you know people who were easy to work with and people who you know I'm sure they just wanted to choke you know that they were like awful to work with but uh you know, some really, really good, good chemistry between them 
as a group, you know, and and the group, especially that was on this album, because I guess the lineup sort of changed, you know, over the years uh, with with uh, Booker T himself and Duck Dunn, uh, Steve Cropper, um, and the drummer who I, I cannot remember his name right now. It was one that got murdered. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember his name either. Yeah, murdered yeah, in 1975. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I, I definitely knew of of them. You know, for sure, just just from from being a fan of of Stax Records, and and um, I think I was a like a documentary they did where they they've done interviews with with them pretty ex- extensively. You know, where they they talked about Stax Records, like the location where the studio was, and how it was it was basically shut down and. You know, but things that things that I mean, obviously things are 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 so much different, you know, music wise now. I mean, I think that's kind of what what happened with them on this record. Uh, that things were changing at Stax Records, and they were kind of not liking the changes and were ready to do some different things. Uh, you know, as a group, not just as a as a house band, you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple other artists. Um they backed up in the 60s Wilson Pickett Sam and Dave I mean just you know sometimes people say you know I wish I was a fly on the wall for you know this recording or that recording or I mean they were kind of the fly on the wall I mean imagine the kind of stuff that they saw and lots of stuff I imagine (laughs) heard it yeah um yeah a couple other interesting things I read about them um they're one of the first racially integrated groups yeah which I thought was uh, interesting and uh, a couple times that during the uh, during the 1960s, um, Isaac Hayes sat in for uh, Booker T. Jones. Yeah, when he yeah, was when, attending. When he left. Yeah, he was attending music school at Indiana University, which I thought was cool because that's where I attended music school. Ah. <laughs> so we both <laughs> went to the same place. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, th- this this band. We're gonna start off with this song, Chicken Pox, and uh, really, you know, you can hear uh, you can hear them all, you know, on this. But especially mm. guitarist Steve Cropper. I-, I love this guitarist. Yeah. Um, he's just super solid. You know, rhythmically super tight. I love his tone. His just his guitar tone, and his playing. Man, is so. It's so understated. It's almost like it's in this Goldilocks zone. You know, it's, it's never too much, but it's never yeah. too little. You know, it's just right for whatever they're trying to do. You know, um, and uh, yeah, you can hear all this stuff in his playing. You can hear funk, R and B, blues, and country. You can hear all these influences in his playing. Um, yeah, I, I just I love that was one of the I, as a guitar player. You know, I just. I love Steve Cropper. I think he's a great player. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I agree with you. I, I think that 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 Steve is definitely he is underrated. Um, I mean, because a lot of people obviously know him. Um, you know, he if you ever seen the Blues Brothers, um, Steve Cropper and Duck Dunn were in the Blues Brothers band, like in the movie. You know, and um, you know have have you know some funny speaking parts, but. They they helped make that band, you know, that that John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd fronted and toured with for a minute. Very, very good and very, very credible where initially when they they, talk, they first started talking about doing the Blues Brothers, people laughed like, you know, 
what are y'all doing? You know, this is crazy. But they were they knew exactly what they were doing. They had a very, very good band that they were going out on the road with. And no matter what you thought about them, you know, that band was they were kick ass. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I, I definitely, you know, agree with you on, on Steve. I mean, he he never is, is is too like, you know, out there where he doesn't, you know, you know, know exactly what's going on. He, he they they just flow together, you know, as a band. That that was one thing I loved about them and respected about them is that they they just had a great, easy, rooted, grounded flow where they they just the chemistry was just it was banging, you know. Yeah. And uh that that's one thing about them that that really worked for me. Uh and it, and this record is is a great example of of how that was kind of developing especially away from from Stacks where they were leaving Memphis basically kind of I guess, you know, uh I guess they they didn't really like the direction that the label was going. And and wanted to do new things. Did they didn't want to just be kind of like the house band for Stacks anymore? I mean, they knew they had potential outside of that. So you know, you know that was one of the things that that kind of pushed them in the direction that they they took on this record. You know, obviously, you know, more instrumental, you know, side of of them. You know, where where they don't have like a featured vocalist per se. They had background singers, but. Um, you know they they were able to to do some wonderful stuff, uh, and I think this album is really like the last time we see this particular lineup. You know, after this record, yeah. it, it kind of begins to change with with the members changed anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's check this out. This first track, this is Chicken Pox by Booker T and the MGs. <laughs> We just heard chicken pox and we're going to move on to Fukawi. Yeah. Fukawi. I don't know. (laughs) Fukwai. Fukwai. Yeah, that could be it too. I'm not sure what that means. It's F-U-Q-U-A-W-I. 
So <laughs> however you want to say that. Um, yeah, this one uh, really kind of features Booker T on the Hammond B3 organ. Um, you know, again, you know, just uh, really nice guitar soloing from Steve Cropper. Um, it really shows off their just rock solid rhythm section, the bass and the drums. Um and the organ and guitar, you know, I, I wrote down in my notes, you know, the, the organ and guitar never get in the way, but then mm-hmm. I wrote in the way of what, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, there's a, like an unheard singer here and, uh-huh. and you know, like, uh, uh, Booker T and Steve Cropper, you know, never want to get in the singer's way, but there's no singer here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like sometimes just for a second, you know, every once in a while, I just, I wish they would just sort of lose it a little bit, you know, and go off on a crazy solo or tangent, but really they're, they're just unflappable. I mean, they're, they're sort of like a mighty river, you know, they just, yeah, once they get, a, once they get great, going, great point. <laughs> yeah, they just, they just go at steady and you just, you can't divert them. You can't change them. You can't slow them down. They're just, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, the river analogy that I was just thinking the same exact thing. They, they are like, a mighty river too. I mean, they just, they had this groove where they, they don't come outside of, of what they're trying to do. And I mean, you just want to get on and flow with them. You know, I mean, it's, that's a great way to, to describe what they did, what, what they were about. They were like a river, you know, and uh, the, the flow, the cohesion that, that they would, they would work out in the studio it was just tremendous. And the funny the funny thing about them, like we were talking about the, the stories and the things that they could probably talk about, often apparently they would have sessions where they'd show up and the singer or a star or whatever would not. And basically they had to kind of, you know, figure out what to do with time on their hands. Well, you know, if they were there, they would just groove, you know, and, and that's apparently that's how Green Onions came about, where they they were waiting for this guy. He never showed. And the next thing you know, they have like the biggest hit single that that they ever released as a group. You know, I mean, Green Onions is one of those songs. I mean, it, it's just like it's everywhere. I mean, you, you could you turn that song on and you just like, man, I, I've heard that in like a million commercials and movies. And, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just it's just like America, you know, when you yeah, hear that yeah, song, yeah. It, it's just like an American original. I mean, I. I love that song. I mean, I know obviously we, you know, we're not gonna play it now, but but Green Onions is to me, it's like their signature tune. You know, it was just one of those songs that that just typified what they were about. You know, yeah. And and, yeah. and this song too. I mean, it like you said, it they they just work. You know, I, I, I it's almost it's almost like it's it's one vision, like one guy that that can just play a variety of things. You know, like kind of like Prince does, but it wasn't. I mean, it was four of them, but they all kind of had the same mind, you know, for the music that they yeah, would make, yeah. which doesn't happen really that often where it's this good. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's check it out. The last track from Booker T and the MGs. This is Fukawi. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, this is it. <laughs> all right.
And we just heard F U Q U A W I. We're going to figure out what that means. A little bit. I'm pretty sure that it has some sort of, you know, un- underlying meaning, you know, that we're missing anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I couldn't find it. So anybody out there knows uh, one, how to pronounce it and two, what it means. Hey, you know, send us an email. Um, so let's move on to our second album, Lo Borges. Uh, again, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, probably. Uh, Brazilian artist, uh, Lo Borges, his self-titled debut album released in 1973. And uh, this guy, you know, he started out uh, with another Brazilian musician, Milton Nascimento. Yeah. Uh, on uh, his uh, 1972 album Clube or Clube de Esquina, um, which is a, a huge, huge album in Brazil. Um, and, uh, you know, he branched out on his own and released this album in 1973. Uh, I don't know. What it, what were your impressions of this album? Well, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a fun mix of, of, of Brazilian, I guess, the, the pop side of Brazilian music and, and some other influences that, that are not so Brazilian. Um, I mean, the, the, the music itself is, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, you know, I guess going back to Booker T and the MGs, it, it never really gets too, too far out where the, the, the guy is, is, is kind of got a, a very tight sound, you know, some songs that are very quick songs where they, they, some of them are not very long, but the, but the, the sound is, is interesting, especially some of the guitar and, and, and organ playing where there are these really cool solos and it, 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 it kind of comes away from, from a Brazilian sound at times and it picks up more of a rock sound or, um, not really a psychedelic sound. I, I don't, I wouldn't say that, but it, it, it definitely is is not all Brazilian. I mean, it it, it seems to take its influence, and I mean, I, I was kind of reading, you know, where he it seems like he he liked the Beach Boys, and I mean, you know, I, I hear a little bit of that in in the in the guitar, you know, where where he kind of plays around with with some sounds, and um, I, I I love some of the the freestyle stuff on the album where it, it seems like they just kind of go. You know, and and yeah, and and just play. You know, you know whatever whatever it is that, that that comes to them. You know that that's one thing I definitely picked up on. This is a is the is the the solo and the groove type stuff is is really really nice. I mean, really yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that struck me about the songs on this album is were their length. The songs are super short. I mean, all yeah. the songs are really really short. And Moon, Tom Moon in his book, he uses words to describe the songs like etude and miniatures, yeah. uh, which I think he's right on. I mean, an etude, if, if you don't know what that is, is like uh, you see a lot of etudes in classical music where, uh, for instance, like uh, Chopin wrote a bunch of piano etudes. So an etude is like a piece of music that's written to work some kind of technical aspect. Um, so when you have a piano etude, you know, you write a piece of music that works some kind of technical thing you know that a pianist has to work on right Mm -hmm. so if they work on their scales or they have to work on their sort of left hand arpeggios or whatever and so you write a piece of music where the pianist can work on this 
technical issue and play a, a cool piece of music at the same time, right? Because working on just the pure technical issue is boring, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what an etude is. And I, I really like that Tom Moon used that word to describe these because that's almost what they are. It's like, you know, this guy, you know, wanted to experiment with, uh, you know, there the, all these things are like little experiments. You know, it's like, will this recording technique work, or will this texture work, or will this or- orchestration work? You know, and so he creates these little miniatures that explore these these ideas just long enough to, you know, to be like, okay, that works. Now let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it it yeah. just they're not really developed. You know, it's just like this this idea. Okay, that works. Now. I want to try this thing out. Okay, now that works. Well, let's try this out. Um, right. <laughs> so that's that's yeah, kind of yeah, what exactly. it's like. That, it's just kind of like you know we're gonna hit it and quit it. You know we we yeah. get in here we we get this little groove out and then we're on to the next thing. Which which in a way is 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 actually kind of fun. You know. Yeah, it, I agree. It's not gonna allow you to get bored. That's for sure. I mean. <laughs> Right. You know, it's it's right. just what, like you said, here's a here's a taste of something here. It's it's like a nice sample platter, you know, where you don't get filled up on one thing too much ever. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's like the, the opposite mentality of a group, maybe like uh, Almond Brothers or Fish or some of these yeah. jam bands where they'll come up with an idea and then they'll just spin this idea out for like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, and, and in this, it's like he comes up with an idea and he's just like, all right, done. Let's move on. <laughs> but, so, it, but, it, it, but it still grooves almost like yeah. those groups, yeah. but just not in the in the length, you know, because exactly. that's one thing I felt was like these songs have a great groove style, a, a freestyle to them. But like you said, they're so like like that and they're done, you know, it's very, very quick. I think one song in here is it's, it's not even a minute long. Um, yeah. It's like an interlude almost where it's it's just like 20, 30 seconds. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's uh, go to our first track, um, Now Fua Nada. And uh, I like this because it's so quirky, man. Like, mm. um, you know, it has these really strange, I guess strange for popular music, uh, strange harmonic progressions in it. Yeah. Um, and it features this, this same short uh, vocal refrain, right? That's just the same every time, but it's just, it takes these just really weird harmonic turns, you know, that, that you wouldn't expect, you know, in, in this, uh, I don't know, in, in popular music. <laughs> well, his, his vocals are definitely kind of quirky. That that's yeah. one thing that I noticed right away too, is like, you know, his singing is, is, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand exactly what he's saying, but just the the tone and the sound in his voice is 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 really unusual, you know. Uh, not something that that made me just frown up or anything, but like you said, quirky, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll get this um, vocal refrain, and then it's interspersed between these instrumental sections, you know. So there'll be this section for a soloing acoustic guitar, and then this section for a soloing flute. Um, and all this is over uh, these piano chords and a sort of, you know, kind of a rock solid bossa nova rhythm in the bass and percussion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this is. So you just get this little vocal refrain, then some soloing, then uh, this vocal refrain again and, and some soloing and that's it. It's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, the whole thing's like, you know, it's under two minutes. It's like a minute and 40 seconds or something. 
Yeah, uh, it's 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 like he's set up for. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen like like NPR's uh, tiny desk concerts. It's it's no. like that. It's like he's just like in in a little setting, you know, in his house. Maybe just a few people in front of him. You know, we're gonna play a few songs. You know, it's gonna be fun, and then we're gonna be out of here. You know, <laughs> yeah, nothing real complicated. No, not a lot of you know rambling and talking. Just you know, here we go. We're set up. We're gonna play. We're gonna you know enjoy this, and and then we're out. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So let's check this out. Cool. This first track from Lo Borges. This is Now Fue Nada. And we just heard Now Fue Nada from Lo Borges. And we're going to move on to Homem da Rua. Um, you know, this is one of those tunes that that Tom Moon compared to something from uh, Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I can hear it. You know, it, it, it sounds much different. It doesn't sound, you know, don't get me wrong. It doesn't sound like the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah. But I can kind of see where he's coming from. I mean, the, this uh, sort of experimental nature and in the sort of layering of all these voices. And, um, and uh, you know, the song is uh, based on this hemiola rhythm. The you know, like what we heard in um, like Leonard Bernstein's America you know, why would you live in America? Okay. This sort of Spanish hemiola based rhythm is, you know, what this song is based on. And yeah, it's a sort of guitar and piano arpeggios, a really cool bass line, you know, really great material and great vocals. And it's only, again, the thing that's sort of mind blowing about this it's only two minutes long, you know, so it's all this stuff, you know, packed into two minutes, you know, I mean, this material could easily, easily been spun out to like five or six minutes and not felt too long, but it's, mm. you know, it's just kept right at two minutes. It's over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What did yeah, you think yeah. of this? Well, pretty much what you just said about the, the fact that they can put so much variety into such a, a, small span of time you know is i i wonder you know if if i i'm assuming that that i mean that there's a a point like obviously what you were talking about before where it was almost like a like a technical exercise you know or 
or maybe it was just something where he he just simply didn't want to spend a whole lot of time, you know, or waste a lot of time, you know, just kind of, I guess, grandstanding on on certain ideas. He just kind of wanted to have it come out there, you know, and then and beyond with the next thing. Um, that that to me is, is is the most amazing thing about this record is that they they can say so much in, in such a a short period of time in, in these songs, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's unusual. Uh, <laughs> it's very unusual. It's like, uh, it's like musical haiku almost, you know? Yeah. It's like they, good, they pack, yeah, put, pack all this meaning into the, the shortest, most succinct way. So, yeah. Yeah. Most of the time when you, you have a, a, a group of musicians like this who can play in the way they do, they, they could go on and on for, you know, at least eight minutes on each track, you know, but they, they really chose the latter where they, they really didn't want to do that at all. I mean, and they could have, and it would have been fine with me, you know, but yeah. um, You know, this is good too. (laughs) It's just, like I said, it's, it's very different where it's almost like these songs are all sort of all edits, you know, of, of of like recordings that probably could have gone on much much longer but they that was just their decision i guess sort of uh, to not do that yeah you know? yeah i wonder you know if these songs were kept this short in live performances i don't know the answer to that but um i don't know i just kind of wonder yeah yeah they would they could they could pack a lot of songs into a show i mean with most songs being two minutes two and a half minutes you know yeah it's a long show or a really quick show where you kind of feel like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's check this last track out from Lo Borges. This is Homem da Rua. <laughs> just heard Homem da Rua by Lo Borges and we're going to move on to Boston supergroup Boston their album <laughs> Boston <Yeah>. um, <laughs> released in 1976 and this group was founded by guitarist Tom Schultz uh, who was also a recent uh, graduate of MIT in mechanical engineering Didn't um, know that. he uh, yeah he at the time you know was working for Polaroid 
and using the money to uh, build a studio in his basement and really make his own guitar pedals and his own yeah. uh, to craft sort of his own unique sound. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, really smart guy um, and really talented. Um, you know, he played uh, on on the recordings. He played most of the instruments, except he. I think I read he played all the instruments except the drums. Mm. Um, so wow. this is guitars and bass and all the keyboard instruments um, he played. Uh, yeah, um, this is extraordinary talented. Yeah, guy. I, I and I didn't know that either. That he played. He basically played all the instruments on the song, on this album, except for the drums. That's just the guitar parts are on this record are, are they're incredible. I mean, they're legendary. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> you know, they've been copied by a lot of people. You know. Yeah. Oh, he um, he influenced a whole generation of '80s rockers and shredders, and yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean they they uh, um they produced this yeah, demo. I, yeah, I did not know that. Oop, I think I'm getting some lag from you. Okay, that the hold on a second. Well, how can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, let's let's start again. Yeah, well go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um I I was I was listening to you. I I mean I was just saying I mean the 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 fact that the whole deal with him going to MIT, that was one thing, but him making his own pedals and, and effects. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, he, he really had a, a strong love of, of music, obviously. And just the sound, I mean, wanting to, to enhance your own sound. That's, that's remarkable. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, wanting to create just his own unique sound that only he had. And, um and I mean obviously it worked. I mean the album was gigantic when it was released. It was um it is the second best-selling debut album of all time right behind Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. So only uh, only <laughs> over 17 million copies sold of this debut album. Yeah, it it stayed like that apparently too cuz cuz Guns N' Roses had that record now apparently Whitney Houston was like the second person that like, or the first person, I guess it, cause that, that's how long, I mean, in between those periods, I guess in the late eighties or whatever, when those, both those albums came out, that, that, that record stood the test of time where nobody had a debut record as big as their first record until like Whitney Houston, Guns N' Roses, yeah. you know, yeah. just, yeah, that, that's, that's a testament in itself where, I mean, there's so many songs from this album. I mean that that I mean, even if you don't like rock music, I mean you've heard these songs. You know, just I, I mean, just so so influential. Um, this band, this record, especially. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's interesting the parallel with Guns N' Roses because you know both these bands started out so huge right out of the gate and then just kind of slowly petered it out. You know afterwards yeah <clears throat> um but uh yeah we're gonna start with uh the tune smoking and uh this is this this tune is really a showcase for tom schultz keyboard skills i mean mm-hmm. it basically starts with you know a kind of rocking good time whatever you have the the vocals uh uh brad delp you know 
singing on the very beginning of the song. And then the whole middle of the song is just this really extended solo solo for, you know, first it starts out on Hammond organ, then it moves to this electric harpsichord sound um, with a kind of, you know, electric guitar accompaniment that's sort of evocative of, to me, of Gustav Holt's The Planets, the, the, the Mars Bringer of War movement sort of that's sort of what it reminded me of wow then then it goes back to hammond and yeah so this is all tom schultz i mean tom schultz soloing on the keyboards tom schultz uh accompanying on electric guitar underneath and uh you know and and on the bass apparently um so yeah this is just sort of a big showcase i think for for tom schultz on on keyboard really yeah what do you think of this tune just just amazing just the fact that like i said to, to know this is mainly one guy playing it and and not to to take away from from vocal harmonies in this song that those were very influential i think too to a lot of groups um one group in particular that i think of um that that played on vocal harmony like boston did was van halen um where they you know david lee roth and and um I think Michael Michael Anthony would go back and forth on on the like chorus vocal. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They were like the same thing. I mean, and I mean, kind of like an aside. I mean, if you listen to like the latest Van Halen record, like where David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen have gotten back together, sort of that that's missing. It's it's very obvious. I mean, it's it's a good record, but that vocal harmony, it's so distinctive and important. For this band and that one, I mean, when when it's not right, it doesn't work. But it it it's so good here. I mean, where when you're with a bunch of people and you're all singing, I mean, it just it just so reminds you of you know just good times and 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 fun. And I mean, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I would imagine. And I mean, it's just one of those one of those songs that that's been you know party to like for years and years and years oh yeah uh and, and it's it's such a, a like you said a great mix of a musicianship and and again it's it's just crazy to think that that this is all one dude you know he's a very <laughs> talented guy but i mean just the mix of of all of it is is it's mind-boggling to think that this is this is just one man that that did all this and and the, like i said the vocals are the just the really high, you know, arching, almost screaming at time, you know, screaming at times, you know, vocals. I mean, they're they're just crazy. Um, Brad Delp, I think he, uh, I think he recently passed away. Um, he did, yeah. Pretty, it was like in two two thousand seven. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he committed suicide. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty very, sad. Very, very sad. Yeah, I mean, very he, sad. You know, just a a really great, great voice, great <clears> singer. <throat> I mean, just such a distinctive voice that that he had. I mean, yeah. just I'm. I mean, just I'm in awe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Brad Delp was um, just really the perfect complement to Tom Schultz. I mean, I think he was really equally as talented a singer as Tom Schultz was you know, a guitarist and, and keyboardist. Um, 
So yeah, let's check this out. This first track from Boston. This is Smoking. was smoking from Boston. We're going to move on to their giant 70s anthem, <laughs> uh, More Than a Feeling. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you can really hear Tom Schultz's signature guitar tones and what he crafted for the band and for the sound and all that stuff, you know, both acoustic and electric <clears throat> in this song. And, um, just like I said before, you know, it, the influence on the guitarists, the rock guitarists of the next generations of you know, the late 70s and, and, and definitely the 80s was huge. You know, Tom Schultz started his own um, company in the early 80s, uh, producing guitar amplifiers and guitar pedals that were, you know, basically what he invented for Boston. It was called Rockman. And um, this was, I mean, just incredibly widely used by guitarists in the 80s. Um, and these these pedals now are really, they're sort of collector's items, really sought after, you know, mm. um, by guitar players. Um, yeah, what do you think of More Than a Feeling? Uh, just, again, just, you know, such a, uh, just a, a heralded play over and over again. I mean, it's to me, it's 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 like that song that that makes Boston who they are. I mean, it's it, it. I'm I would say it was probably their their most popular song. I mean, if if not up there, I mean, it it's just a song I, I always 
tired of them. If I if I think of them, this song just comes to my mind, you know, right away, you know, and, and then just the the style of the writing and what they were singing about, you know, just singing like a guy, you know, kind of pouring his heart out to a lady and you know the the the, the guitar playing and the and the organ and I mean it's just there's so much to go on. I mean, you know, I I couldn't help but resist to to look at this song, you know, on this album. I mean, it's just it's just one of those songs that, you know, if you if you talk about this album, you have to talk about this song. And I, I've loved this song, I mean, since I was like a little kid, you know, where, you know, I, I love the vocals on it. I love the, the playing on it. Um, it's just it's just amazing. Um, and, and, and I think thinking back about the, the guitar pedals and the and the effects that I, I think I read that he he wanted to have a Schultz wanted to have a, a, a certain sound for his acoustic guitar um, where he, you know, if you hit it, it, it kind of had this, this certain twang to it. And, and I think a lot of that all started from just him wanting to, to have his acoustic guitar sound a certain way. And, and, and that's basically kind of how the song opens just with the kind of, you know, you got a mellow acoustic guitar playing and, and I mean, it, it to me, I, I don't even think about the, the effects or, or anything so much. It's just it's just the playing itself is so good. Uh, but he obviously had so much else, so many other things going on in his mind, you know, to to bring the sound of what this record was about. And I mean, I never really thought that much into it. Um, but but reading more about him and 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 what he was about, I mean, it's. It's just incredible. I mean, the, the guy is he's he's extraordinary talent. You oh know? yeah, yeah. I mean, you can even hear the the reach of this influence of this song into the '90s because uh, the similarity between the main riff of "More Than a Feeling" and the main riff of "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is. Yeah. I mean, they're almost the same riff. You know, the, yeah. the influence is really just like undeniable. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, they they they're just one of those bands that they they just struck gold with this record and 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 I mean it's it's you you can't really we could sit here on a whole show and talk about all the different people they've influenced. I mean, tons of people, you know. And I mean, I, I mean, obviously the city of Boston, they just you know, they're like, you know, hmm, I'm sure they're like gods, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's 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 amazing the the just the story. I mean, kind of reading more and more about them, you know, it's 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 incredible. Yeah, yeah. So let's check this out. Uh, the last track from Boston. This is more than a feeling.
just heard more than a feeling by Boston, and we're going to move on to Celtic band, the Bothy Band. <clears throat> Their album, Old Hag, You Have Killed Me, from 1976. And uh, <clears throat> this was really one of the bands that were, you know, on the cusp of this revitalized Celtic music movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, playing really really old songs, but in kind of a new way by a new young enthusiastic generation, you know, that, yeah. that, that were kind of uh, putting their own spin on this, on these old traditional songs. Um, and their name, Bothy band, um, a Bothy band was, <clears throat> this came from 19th century Scotland where a Bothy was a shelter where single male farm workers lived and uh, for entertainment, they would put together these Bothy bands, you know, out of just whoever was there. So that's mm-hmm. where that, that name comes from. Um, but yeah, the band was born, uh, formed in 1975 by uh, Donald Lunny. He plays this instrument called a bazooki, which if you don't know what a bazooki is, it's kind of like... Uh, the best way I can describe it is like a really big mandolin is, is the, the best... Uh, description I can give and uh, you know I couldn't help but think of when Tom Moon was on the show and he was talking about you know when he was talking to the publishers pitching this book and he was talking about his blind spots and Celtic music was one of them I can just see you know this is like one of those bands you know he must have you know talked to someone else and he's like well you should you know check out this this band you know it's one of these bands that were (laughs) he had to he had to really reach out to find, but uh-huh. um, yeah, we're going to start off with this tune, uh, Music in the Glen. And what did you think of Music in the Glen? Well, I I, I ought to go back kind of to the, the so-called spin that they would put on traditional, um, you know, Celtic or Irish folk songs. Apparently that was like a no-no, you know, for, right, for a right. lot of people where it was just like, you know, these songs have been saying this way for you know as long as ireland's been ireland so you know you you change these songs you might get you know you might get bum rushed by some people where that's right it's tradition man you're messing with tradition yeah exactly and i mean you know the the fact that they were trying to kind of take it in in a new direction you know is is pretty pretty interesting to, to see, you know, because obviously, you know, they, they would have to garner, you know, a new audience, even if the audience was the audience that normally would kind of, you know, want to spurn them or, or talk bad about them, you know, just, you know, sort of just like, Hey, you know, just give us a shot and see what we have. And I mean, the, the mix of, of, of vocal and, and, and instrumental things that they do, I mean, I, I'm not really like a, a, a big fan of, of Celtic music at all. I mean, I, I know of like the Chieftains and, and a few other people like that. But to me, I mean, it, it sounds great. I mean, you know, what what they're doing, you know, I, I'm assuming is, is just trying to, you know, kind of breathe some life into these songs that, you know, normally would not be there. I mean, not not totally take away from what it originally was but still kind of, you know, make it, make it somewhat fresh, even though I guess this came out in the, I don't know if this album was recently in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. 76. 
I mean, just to to add, you know, some some modern flavor to it, like like the clavinet, then where the book talks about, you know, that was one thing that was that was definitely, you know, something you don't think of when you think of Celtic music. Uh, but but they were ready to try things like that and and and, and speed up the songs even and, and you know yeah. kind of make them even frantic in their speed you know to where it was almost almost new you know yeah and um you know definitely definitely kind of a, a an, an interesting chemistry especially with the the vocal where you know some of the the, the celtic music can kind of get redundant where the the vocal kind of goes on and on and on where it, it sounds like they're singing the same thing just in circles you know and they they seem to even play with that a little bit here um yeah where they they change up like i said they would change up the speed and and the and the cadence of, of some of the, the words to the song so yeah um, yeah i mean i'm glad you brought that up because messing with tradition is not always a safe thing to do i mean it, it, oh, that no. that story reminds me of uh you know other similar musicians like uh it reminds me of uh, the Argentinian tango uh, musician composer Astor Piazzolla, you know, who did the same thing with the tango uh, in the 20th century in Argentina. You know, he really revitalized it and messed with it and pushed it forward and did all sorts of different things. And he would regularly get death threats from people yeah. because he was messing with the tango. The, you yeah. know, this is this is the traditional music of Argentina. You don't mess with that, you know. Yeah, people and, get very uh, passionate. <laughs> yeah, but but then in the end, you know, he he ended up revolutionizing it, and now you know what he did is considered the norm. So, yeah, um, sometimes sometimes you have to take take chances. Um, uh, somebody that comes to my mind when it, when it comes to that uh, when you have gospel music and traditions and gospel music. One person that's really played with that a lot is Kirk Franklin over the you know, like the last 20 years or so. I mean, there are some people that are very, very upset with him. I mean, where they they feel like Kirk Franklin is not, you know, much far away from what, you know, some rappers are doing. And but but the thing about it is the guy really loves gospel music. And I mean, he loves the tradition of it, but he grew up in an era where, you know, you had you know, Tupac and Biggie and, you know, NWA and all that kind of stuff yeah. that you listen to as a kid. And he, you know, when he was in the streets growing up, he took all that influence and and turned it into something that was more of a gospel nature. But still he, you know, he has he has a lot of people who just totally hate him. You know, but he, he still has a, a more even vehement or popular following because of you know the new style that he's kind of brought up you know and and i, I think that's that's sort of what you know bothy band wanted was you know people who had a love for for traditional irish music but still wanted you know some of the new you know attached to it you yeah, know yeah and uh that's that's always like you said it, it can be it can be dangerous <laughs> but uh you know, if it works, you know, then it can be a very good thing. I mean, you're not going to be, you're not going to please everybody. That's, that's for sure. Oh yeah. 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 So, so yeah, the first track music in the Glen. Um, yeah. I think this one really shows off just kind of the virtuosity and the energy of all the players. Um, 
you know, you get this really cool dual uh, tin whistle solo in the in the middle by um, Patty um, Keenan, I think his name, Patty Keenan, who played uh, Ulian Pipe as well. Ulian Pipe was like, it's kind of like a bagpipe-like instrument. Yeah, I, um, I, saw, I saw that in the, the clip because I was kind of looking at that going, is that a bagpipe? It doesn't look like a bagpipe. It's It's got a bag. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's an instrument. It's in the same family as a bagpipe, but it's a little different. Called Ulian pipe, and uh, Matt Malloy, uh, who's also playing that, and uh, yeah, and just I mean, great playing from you know the fiddle player and and yeah, and, and just everybody. Yeah, what do you think of this? Yeah, just I I love it. I mean, just like I said, just a great mix of of chemistry between everyone who played i mean you you get the 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 sense of the spirit of of what you know the original meaning of bothy band was like where sometimes it was it was people that you know they i mean obviously they were all i guess farmers but but maybe came from different walks of life and and could all kind of come together and and make this work you know sometimes very spontaneously where a lot of people had you know different you know things that they bring to the table, some singers, some flute players, you know, some with percussion, you know, and, and I, I think the, the spontaneity, the spontaneity of, of that kind of thing can be really fun, you know, where you, you have people who maybe never played together or haven't played together very much that kind of have a sort of, you know, get together all of a sudden and, and, and make music, you know, that's that's really pleasant. I, I I would imagine that you know them being farmers and, and mostly men and all together, they they would probably have some visitors from time to time that were not you know male farmers you know so to speak. And I mean that can make it fun. And and then the, you know the drinking aspect. I mean to me that I mean they're, they're not always exclusive. I guess, but. When, whenever I hear music like this, it's it's almost like it's great drinking music, uh, uh-huh. and you know that that can make this you know obviously a, a lot more fun as well. You know, so um, you know, like I said, the the sound of this and and the, and the spirit of what you know the original Bothy bands were were about, you know, definitely definitely like it, definitely like it a lot. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's check this out. This is Music in the Glen by the Bothy Band.
And we just heard music in the Glen. And we're going to move on to The Maid of Coolmore. Um, this is definitely sort of a ballad. Uh, it features uh, Triana Ni Dom Domnail. I, I don't know how to... Again, I'm mispronouncing these. These are written... These Some of these names are written in a very uh, old school, traditional, I think Scottish... Uh, dialect i guess mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but uh yeah her vocal is just just really really beautiful yeah on this tune um and i tried to get you know what the song is about i couldn't really understand all the lyrics but it's you know it's one of these traditional ballads about you know a sad maid sort of leaving home and <clears throat> this this third party observer kind of wishing her well and and wishing that she could you know send her on her way safely and all all this kind of stuff but it's you know it's sad it's you know tinged with this sort of sadness that a lot of these songs these traditional songs are like this yeah Um, it's it's almost like a a a blues expression i mean not not saying that this is the blues but i mean it's it's like you know the the expression of, of of hard times through music you know, is is not unlike the blues, and um, but that's the that's the feeling I get where it, it's it's like Irish folk music, you know, kind of kind of tinged with a, a melancholy sadness or, or blues, if you will. Even though the like you said the the vocal that that she lays out is it's just gorgeous. I mean, very very pretty. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um. Again, you know, in the middle, we have this double tin whistle solo. And then at the end, you know, for the, for the most part of the song, you know, she just sings solo. But at the very end, they throw in these, man, unbelievably beautiful harmony vocals at the end. Almost sounds like a choir coming mm-hmm. in. I mean, I know it's not. I know it's just, you know, a couple other voices. But somehow, you know, it almost sounds choir-like. And it's, oh, man, so, so beautiful. So uh, should we just check this out? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is the Maid of Coolmore.
just heard the Maid of Coolmore by the Bothy Band, and we're going to move on to our last album for this episode, Haitian band Bukman Experience, uh, their album, Calf, uh, let's see, Calfour Danger, I want to say, uh, from 1992, and uh, <clears throat> you know, this band, like many other bands in the Caribbean region um linked you know really heavily to kind of political and social turmoil um but in this case in, in haiti yeah um and their songs are about kind of you know exposing the reality of life in haiti uh you know and um and i think their presence in haiti in the 90s was always kind of tenuous you know, especially with the government, you know, they're always kind of being harassed by the government, intimidated by the government. And um, I think they had to actually leave Haiti at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When um, the uh, Haitian Revolution, so to speak, or the there was a coup uh, where they yeah, they had to they had to go because they they were basically they were going to be threatened with you know either prison or death and uh i i'm trying to think of the uh the guy who was in power that got thrown out um yeah I, I didn't write it down <laughs> uh, yeah I, I i i was reading it early and I, I forget his name but anyway yeah they they were you know kind of one of those groups that you know not necessarily on the surface but a lot of in their a lot of times in their lyrics would would kind of you know put in these you know sort of underlying message about how how horrible the conditions were for the people in Haiti i mean you know just basically like third world you know poverty stricken you know very corrupt government police um difficult to you know kind of you know, make it on a day-to-day basis, you know, people just kind of living, you know, in shacks and tents and um, just, just rough and, and, you know, kind of, you know, just trying to expose the the different elements of, of, of why it was so hard for, you know, people in Haiti to, to just, you know, deal with, you know their their daily goings on and yeah. and and then this the the name of the group kind of called back to you know revolution against you know those powers so to speak uh with the uh the name of uh the voodoo priest uh in the title of the group uh who yeah, was yeah. sort of sort of like a a revolutionary against the i guess the french enslavement of of haitians back in the what the 1800s i think it was what i read was um that uh he was a voodoo priest that started the haitian slave revolt in 1791 against yeah the french who were were occupying haiti yeah um yeah and so i mean just that just that name the bukman experience i mean right there it just tells you what kind of what they're all about yeah you know? and, and and just a great mix of of the sound in their music. 
I mean, obviously Caribbean influences, but but some African and like I was talking earlier before we started uh, taping the soca rhythms, uh, where it's just like really upbeat, you know, high intensity, you know, kind of African rhythmic sound. I mean, they they kind of have a a nice mix of both. Um, so, somebody I think about, I mean, not that his music sounds a, a lot like them, but another guy that was from Haiti uh, was, was Wycliffe John from the Fugees. Um, I kind of wondered about him when I first started listening to him, thinking he must have he must have listened to them. I mean, it's just right up his alley, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where he um, he definitely is 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 you know pro Haitian revolution. I mean, he was uh, he was going to attempt apparently to run for president of of, of Haiti at one time. Um, Especially after the the earthquake there, I mean, it was yeah. It went from like bad to worse to to worser. If there's such a thing, yeah, I yeah, mean, the, yeah. And um, you know, just just seeing the 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 people of of Haiti under such poverty. I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, I mean, just horrible horrible conditions. I mean, just it, it makes you want to you know, sort of write songs of freedom, if you will. Definitely. Um, so yeah, we're gonna definitely start with a song like that, "Ju Not Revolte," and uh, yeah, like you said, you know, I mean, this this has almost a sort of reggae or dub feel, but it's different. You know, it's kind of unique. Um, and one thing I I just boggled my mind about this band is there's 17 band members. Yeah, <laughs> huge band. Um, you know, and, and this song is really just kind of about, uh, you know, revolting against tyranny, about brotherhood, about harmony, these kind of things. You know, a lot of th- stuff that maybe Bob Marley would have sung about yeah. in, in Jamaica. But, um, yeah, what did you think of uh, Juna Revolte? Uh, like I said, just somebody who just seemed very, very passionate about the the, the trials and, and people of Haiti and... Um, you know, musically, you know, just has a a great mixture of of, of world elements, um, good good Caribbean rhythms, uh, and and good mix of, of of vocal. I mean, like you said, there there's so many guys in the band. I mean, they they have like about sometimes it looks like seems like four or five women on on background vocals and uh, just a a great ensemble of of percussion, you know, instruments where that the rhythm there is really great. Um, just a, a, a fun discovery. I mean, uh, trying to go through and look at, at clips, uh, for this particular record. I mean, that didn't seem like there were very many, uh, but they have quite a bit on, you know, I guess from other recordings. I mean, it, it it's, it's a fun discovery for me, you know, cause I, I really had not, a clue who they were uh, before we started talking about them uh, well, before this podcast. I mean, just a, like I said, a, a really good, interesting mix of, of, I guess, what comes out of Haiti and and then their, you know, influences from from Africa and and, and throughout the Caribbean too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's check this out. Uh, this first track from Bukman Experience. This is Ju Not Revolte. <laughs> 
Revolte. We're going to move on to Calfour Danger. Um, and this is even uh, sort of, you know, features this heavy guitar and really super high energy, sort of like frenetic, but but really tight, you know, percussion. Um, and, uh, you know, this song, when it came out, it caused him a lot of trouble um, with the government because, uh, as, as Tom Moon said, you know, it's a, a fable about those who lie and cheat will be judged at the metaphysical crossroads, <laughs> which, which, which sounds very voodoo, but also interestingly, it's, it's a very sort of Eastern philosophy, almost like a karma sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, th- this, you know, it, it, it caused him a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah. what do you think of this one? Well, you know, the, the, the part about the, the, the karma, I mean, Obviously, I mean, they, they had a nerve when, you know, they they apparently they didn't have a lot of shows, you know, where they would go on tour. But almost apparently everywhere they would go, you know, you know, military or government troops would be waiting for them, you know, and apparently they were they were harassed. They were threatened, you know, just, you know, stop doing this. Don't sing that song. You'll be sorry. That kind of thing. Which is like, man, you know, I mean, they don't have any guns, you know, they don't have any, you know, knives or anything where they're threatening anybody. It's just their music, you know, was was such a, I guess, problem for the the regime at that time. It, you know, they they were like pretty much, you know, on the run. You know, from I guess this point on, like you said, this this song is is just one of those songs that they, you know, kind of put their finger on, you know, a lot of different issues that were going on, and and you know, yeah, the the government just you know totally at that time you know didn't didn't like it or appreciate it. So, um, but I'm I'm sure that I mean they were probably at you know at a point where they were just like you know what if if we have to 
you know, sort of, you know, be tormented for what we're saying, you know, then that's fine. We're going to say it anyway, you know, yeah. because yeah. otherwise, you know, people, you know, people, what, what do they have, you know, but, uh, really, really great, great, great rhythms. Like I was, like I was talking earlier to me, it reminds me of like, like a, like a soca type rhythm, really upbeat, really, really fast. And, and, you know, just, just really fun, you know, even though the, the topic itself is not necessarily fun. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. the type of rhythm that just, it just makes you want to get up and, and, and dance, so to speak, you know? Uh huh. Yeah. And one note before we play this last one, um, this has turned out to be one of those albums that it's incredible. It's been incredibly hard to find the music for this. Um, so I hope I don't have to resort to playing excerpts that are bad audio quality, but it might come to that. So if these excerpts turn out to be really bad audio quality, I apologize to you listeners. It was only because I could not find anything better. Um, so I just wanted to put that note in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's check out this last track from Bukman Experience. This is Calfour Danger. just heard Calfour Danger by Bukman Experience and that's going to do it for this episode episode number 25 of the 1000 recordings podcast if you'd like to send us an email and please do send it to 1000 recordings podcast at gmail.com you can visit us on the web at 1000 rp.blogspot.com where you'll you'll find links to all of the albums that we play if you want to go buy them and uh, other information on how you can sponsor the podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000RP and you can join us on Facebook and uh, yeah, where you can sort of get into discussions with our sort of growing 1000 Recordings podcast community, which is becoming a really great community. Um, and uh, yeah, next week, next week, the... Uh, um, we're going to start off with David Bowie, his album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. That's going to be fun. 
that will be fun. The sort of master of image, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> David Bowie. Uh, then we're going to move on to The Boys of the Low, live at Pasim. This is um, another Celtic record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, two weeks in a row, Celtic music. <laughs> then we're going to get into Johannes Brahms, uh, oh, yeah. the, the giant of uh, late Lots 19th of century um, yeah, classical music. So we're going to have an album of uh, sonatas, cello and piano sonatas, um, Yo-Yo Ma cello. That I'm looking forward to hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to have the Four Symphonies of Brahms. This is another one of those, like the you know yeah. the big collection of the Beethoven symphonies. So we have to pull two excerpts from you know his Four Symphonies. Uh, but we have that, and then we're going to end with uh, an album of his violin sonatas. So mm-hmm. that's that's what's coming up. And I have to say, you know, it's uh, going to be three weeks from now. So I ha- have a concert that I'm putting on and playing on uh, on April 16th. Here Congratulations. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. So, yeah, it, it, it should. Yeah, if, you, if you're around um, Terre Haute, Indiana, <laughs> the concert will be um, April 16th at 730 um, on the campus of Indiana State University in their Performing Arts Center. Um, and should be an interesting concert. And then I'm headed to Texas actually for a memorial service the next week. So we will be back, um, three weeks from now. So I apologize to the listeners, but you know, sometimes life intrudes. So, yeah, that, that happens. Life, life happens in spectacular fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, is there anything, any parting words before we go? No, just uh, about the recordings and the quality. I mean, you know, I, I almost everybody I know they've they've had to go through the the dealings with bootlegs. If you've ever listened to any kind of bootleg, whatever, uh, you know how bootlegs can be either really good or really awful. Yeah. But but sometimes you just you just want to hear the music, you know. Yeah. No, no matter how good because because i've listened to some i mean where the quality of the recording was horrible i mean they they might as well have been outside of whatever venue they were you know leaning up against the wall you know but uh sometimes you just i mean it's just about the the discovery so to speak yeah Uh, yeah 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 and that for me is is a lot of fun i mean you know i'll never get tired of discovering new music never you know it's just uh it's just what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Man, yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Well, um, all right. Well, so we will see everybody next time for some uh, for some new music. Happy Easter to all those who yep. celebrate Easter and Passover this last Friday. All those who celebrate that. And if you don't celebrate anything, that's fine, too. Yeah. Have a for great those, Sunday. This, for those who <laughs> celebrate the weekend, yeah. There you go. Have, have, yeah, have a have a great weekend. I, I've I've had a pretty good weekend. Hopefully, hopefully everybody's had a great weekend as well. Right on. All right, man. Well, I'll see you next time, Mitch. All right. Bye, Tony. Bye, everybody. <laughs>